0: Hi, this is Margot Escott with Improv Interviews. In the next two episodes, you're going to be hearing from the shaman of play, the founding father of play studies, Mr. Bernie DeCoven. Bernie's an incredible man who, for the past 45 years, has been teaching people how to have fun and enjoy playfulness through games. He's the author of several books. And he's an incredibly beautiful human being. And I know you're going to really like to learn more about Bernie. Enjoy. Hi, Bernie Decoven.
1: Decoven. De Coven.
0: damn oh my God, it. How many I've times a, have I told people it's Coven. I've made a mistake already. I'm going to have to tweet about this later on. Yeah. I've made a mistake. <laughs> Bernie, I am just so joyful to be here with you today. You're like the father of the... King of Play, and I don't know how many people really know what kind of work you've been doing over the past 50 years, maybe? Close to 60? 50. fifty. So how did you get into this playfulness stuff? I mean, were you a f- playful kid? And what, by the way, is
1: playfulness? What is that? Uh, that's a good question. You want me to answer all of that right now?
0: No, let's get back to that. <laughs>
1: okay <laughs> <laughs> all right, let me start with how I got into play uh was you know actually every kid is into play. some of us refuse to get out of play. I was one of those. I decided that I would i was the story that i tell which i think is a true story except you know if you tell a story too many times you don't remember if it's true or not because the imagination kicks in and then something else kicks out anyhow so i remember and i think i remember being in in like first grade and getting my first workbook and i was all excited about the workbook because it was pretty it had a shiny cover it had color the cover was color and inside were all kinds of cartoons and cool looking things and, and 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 so the teacher says, Okay, class, everybody do the first page of the workbook. And I started doing the first page of the workbook, and I said, Oh man, this is really cool because there are all these puzzles in it, and I could just do the puzzles. And then the next day the teacher says, Okay, class, now continue from two to from page two to page five, and I'll be back in three minutes. And and Two minutes later I'm doing these things that I'm saying, wait a minute. Wait, wait, this is not a fun thing. This is like, this is like boring. <laughs> and and that was that was my first big step away from the normal the universe in which normal people inhabit. Uh, because I began to really realize that uh, I I wanted to stay in that reality where I would be playing and that I wanted to resist. Any attempts that the world was making uh, on me to do anything other than that, and and that's what I think. Now I'm not sure, but that I like that story. It sounds right. Uh, but I knows? love
0: that story. I've read it many times. I'll buy that story.
1: <laughs> okay. I'll
0: buy that. So <laughs> then you went through school. You went through uh, college. You
1: college. Went to- I went to college.
0: You went to college. Yeah.
1: I got. A, I have a master's degree in theater.
0: And. Did you ever hear of somebody named Viola Spolin?
1: Did I ever hear of Viola Spolin? <laughs> wait, I didn't. Hey, wait, wait. Are we going to talk about playfulness also, or do you want to talk about Spolin? Both. Because that was one of the questions I thought you asked. Yeah, that. yeah. how you get into play? What is playfulness anyway? Yeah. But let's hold that playfulness question then. Okay. In abeyance. We'll hold it in abeyance, which is right outside of Dubuque. I I thought I
0: thought it was out of Des Moines, but that's okay. Des Moines,
1: yeah, well, it's somewhere in the Midwest, so. okay, anyhow.
0: <laughs> so you had a degree in theater. that's why I got into theater, Spiola. theater.
1: Yes, yes. Theater. yes. Yeah. well, okay, so so I was hired by various connivances of myself to be uh, a curriculum development specialist for an elementary school program in Philadelphia. And the curriculum was supposed to be in theater. I Bernard wanted at that time to make a curriculum in something that the kids cared about, and I didn't care if it really was theater. But I loved theater, so I tried. I started with theater, and uh, I was looking for something that I thought would be fun for the kids to do, and I, and Viola was the first resource that I found that would make that possible. Now I I'm I reinterpreted or misinterpreted her work so that i could work with the kids because she the, her book improvisation for the theater which is just a marvelous book but it was really designed as a uh, to teach people how to do theater and there was this whole idea of uh, it was very carefully structured and it was uh, led by an adult who would be guy? You know, Viola developed this process she called side coaching, and it was that was through the. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to to find the kind of theater that kids kids wanted to do, and I didn't really even know what kids think is theater or or anything close to theater like. So I so if I didn't have Spolin, I don't know how I would have started. And the game structure was a really valuable insight for me. It was a, a background that I was perceiving what the kids were doing through. And um, so eventually, I mean, the kids the kids liked what I was doing. Uh, they liked coming down to the class. They used to call me Mr. Drama. <laughs> and we were doing a lot of Spolin-esque things, but we were just doing it for the fun of it, not for... You know, I mean, I, nobody got critiqued for their for their acting or anything. We would do things like, OK, let's pretend we're an ice cubes. We're all ice cubes and we're melting together and now we're frozen into one big ice cube. And now the sun comes out and we're melting some more. Ah, and now we're just a pool of water and we're slowly evaporating. That kind of stuff. It was kind of, it was, yeah, I, now that I think about it, it, was, I was still being the guide, you know, but I was being a guide more in terms of just keeping the fantasy going than in terms of looking at their acting abilities or having them, having them even be conscious of their acting abilities. So, um, but I, but I realized after about a, two months of doing this, that this really wasn't what I was looking for because it wasn't. They didn't take it as their theater, you know. They didn't take, you know how I could tell, if I walked out of the room for a minute and came back in, that was my test, one minute. And if they were doing the same thing that they were doing when I left, then I knew I was kind of closer to where I needed to be. And invariably, a minute later, I came back, and they were just, and it was all all chaos and havoc. They were running around, well, we had a very beautiful amphitheater that we were that we were doing it in. It was there were uh, it was like uh, four, I think, consecutive levels that were all in a big circle, and they were carpeted. Can you imagine that? Like looked like a pit from the top, but each you know each level carpeted and each step wide enough that you could if you were a kid you could lie down on and still have room. So it was about that. So it was a great. It was. A great place to run around in. I mean, these circles. You could run one level, you could run one direction, the other could run. You could run up and that. So that's what they would do the moment I left. And, uh, you know, the, the last thing I wanted to do was to stop them from doing what they want to do. I was just trying to find what. So one day I, c- I come in and I say, Look, is there any, tell me something, just between you and me, is there anything you'd actually want to do here? That was kind of said in a more panicky tone, like, is there anything you want to do here? (laughs) Kind of like that. (laughs) I'm sorry, Mr. Soundman. Did I blow up something? I should have warned you. Anyhow, anyhow, uh, they said, yes, we want to play a game. So, uh, a game. So I said, okay, what do you mean a game? They said, well, you know, duck, duck, goose. And uh, I remember Duck, Duck, Goose. I knew that was a game, in fact. Um, But I was kind of a little nervous about saying, oh, yeah, let's play Duck, Duck, Goose, because I was supposed to be teaching something. And having the kids just in this quarter-million-dollar theater environment with spotlights and microphones and having them play Duck, Duck, Goose seemed like something I really didn't want the principal to come down and see. But by that point, I had reached... You know, I felt so lost in what I was trying to do because I could, you know, because nothing was coming from the kids yet. And the first thing that came from the kids was we want to play a game. So I decided to let them play and see what would happen. And they started, they played the game, and I walked out of the room and I came back a minute later and they were still playing the game. And then I walk out and I go out. I'm out for three minutes. Children, completely untrained. Undisciplined, unguarded, unprotected. No one telling them what to do at all. And I come back in, and they're still playing. So I says to myself, self, I says, aha. I says, actually, I said aha like that, I just, <laughs> aha, because I had it, I got it, I knew what it was. It was games, and and I actually actually, it wasn't until about. Three minutes later, and I'm in there and they're watching the kids play the games, one of the kids asks me if I wanna to play too. Now, talk about breaking. First of all, it was like a really big compliment to me. I mean, I felt, oh my God, the kids actually wanted me in to play with them on the... Of course they did, but I, I was just, I was just so into the teacher-student, the necessary division between those two roles. That it just never occurred to me that I could play with them, but they invited me, and I started playing. And 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 oh, I forgot to tell you because I was also I, the other discipline that I had was playwriting. I got a master's degree in playwriting, and also also kind of I like poetry a lot, and I like acting a lot. You know, acting made up stories and making up as I go, pretending and 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 improvisation, as a matter of fact. That's another story which I made. Anyhow, so, so uh I come in and and uh we started playing Duck Duck Goose. And um one of the things I almost immediately realized was like I didn't really want to be chosen. Uh you know, you go around the 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 kid who's playing Fox goes around the the circle, taps the kids on the head, and it goes duck 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 duck. And then when he wants to choose a kid, he says goose. And the goose has to stand up, run around the circle, and get back to his seat before the fox can tag him. And if the fox does tag him, then the fox sits down and the goose becomes the fox or something like that. Or yeah, if he doesn't, one of the and the roles change somehow because of that. But I didn't want to be chosen.
0: You didn't uh, want to be you didn't want to be it.
1: I did not want to be. The, the goose right i did I did not want to be as one might say goose because <laughs> one might say that because I knew first of all that those little stupid kids could run faster than I could, and I would be running for the rest of the por- the whole session if I let myself, and that's when I realized that the the extent of theater. Margot, it's so much fun watching your face as I talk. You are so there and so into me. It's just wonderful. <laughs> I love it. Uh what are you talking about? Oh yeah. So it was that I it was it was so I re, I I got a little taste then that something real was it wasn't just play, forgive the expression, but it was something something real that I was that was being played with. Like if because I didn't want to be chosen. Well, that happens to people a lot in life that you don't want to be chosen. I mean, there you are sitting in the classroom and the teacher asks a question and you don't know the answer and you don't want to be chosen. Um, so, so what do you do? You know, how do you, how do you, how do you look invisible? How do you look like somebody not worthy of being chosen? Well. There are a couple of strategies that you that you learn eventually as a as a student and and you learn immediately in duck duck goose. One thing is you either can look like you just don't care and and look and get very quiet and kind of you know uh, uh, invisible. you know what I mean? you kind of I'm just here and it, I don't care about this game. This game is beneath me. I'm just sitting here. To be here because I'm such a good person. That and you look like that, mm-hmm. or you try to look like really excited. Oh please, oh please, choose me. Oh please, oh please. Depending upon the person who's being it, right? The mm-hmm. same thing works with teachers, by the way. You know, <laughs> the same strategy. Yeah. Oh, choose me, choose me. <laughs> it's it's a risky. Usually, the teacher never chooses the person who says choose me, choose me. And and I I now it took me 30 years before I realized how profound this all was because um uh, I was in Israel at the time and uh and I was the, some a couple of people in the group that I was because I was talking about play in life and all that kind of stuff and um, one of them uh would, had been in the concentration camps and and I started talking to them about you know looking invisible and how how that really is a useful life skill and she said you know miss she said you know mister they That's how she said, you know, Mr. Koven, I want to tell you that that thing that you're talking about, about looking invisible for many people in the concentration camps, that was the thing that kept them from being killed. That was the very, the very art of survival depended upon looking invisible. Well, I got that same face on my face that you got on your face right now because I started almost crying. And and it helped me realize that games are really really profound things. They're, they are talk about theater. That I mean, they may not have like characters, they may not have plot. There's no curtain, but they are, they are true theater in its in its most elegant, most pure form, and that that they are they are dealing with themes that are universal and profound and anyhow so that's how I wound up creating a curriculum in games and fortunately I wasn't kicked out and I got to be in the school for four years after three years I had finished the the curriculum it was five volumes four of which were nothing but games one was a teacher's guide and how to play it oh and there was a six volume for the parents to teach them how to how to help facilitate kids play so that's that's how I got started.
0: Is that work still available somewhere? Is it in the Library of Congress or silly library of Silly things.
1: I don't know. No. It's in the Library of Look what we did at the in the Department of uh, Bragging and Survival, the school district of Philadelphia. I don't know where it is.
0: But then <clears throat> things started happening, like the sixties, and they did
1: happen. And yes. And
0: the um, well, they were
1: actually they were happening while I was doing this i started Uh out in in 68
0: okay and it was in the uh the first uh earth day was that in 1969
1: or 70 i don't remember but yeah Yeah, it was somewhere
0: stewart brand and those folks and
1: yes which was and that was the new games foundation right which uh uh, which i uh well see by the okay so so I decided that teaching this, that games was very important and that we hadn't been paying much attention to it as adults. Um, and I wanted, I have another little, you can shut me up or, or because I'm not Keep even asking. We
0: got all the time in the world. I'm happy. Go I ahead. I love time. Go happiness.
1: ahead. All I want from you is you should be happy. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> what am I saying? Okay, so. So um I so I go I have my finished curriculum, see? It's five volumes, and and I'm going and I'm doing I'm doing training of the teachers. They only get a 45 minute introduction to what this whole thing is about. So and I have my and and I and I show them my 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 five and they all think about, oh man, I want that because it would look so good on my bookshelf to have a whole like set of matching, oh boy. I don't think they wanted to do anything with the curriculum, but on my bookshelf, it would make, well, some. But anyhow, so so I decide that the, I have seven games that I've prepared, and each game is a is a is a uh, an instantiation. I love using that's the first time I use it in this conversation. I'm hoping to use that again. It means a uh, it was a example. It was an example of a particular kind of game. Because games, if you start looking at them, there are many different kinds, and they allow many different kinds of social interaction to take place. Some games, there's like, like for example, Follow the Leader. Well, in Follow the Leader, you have one kid who is like the boss, right? And Mm -hmm. the boss is trying to catch everybody doing something wrong. So you have the boss and you have the archetype of what you're gonna do for the rest of your life. And the only way you get to be boss is to be sneaky enough and lucky enough, and to go far enough that you're like right next to the boss, and you manage to tag the ball. Well, well, th- this is so. So this is one. And like, and it rap- and and um, uh, that other game that I was just talked about, duck, goose, is yet another kind of pattern uh, social interaction. And so there are all these different, or 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 uh, steal the bacon, or you know, you think of any of the kids' games. A lot of them have very different social structures. And that's what I wanted to, that was the whole, the I guess, the educational component. It was really a social education that, that the Interplay Catalog was all about. Because children's, children in most schools have very little opportunity to develop their socialization skills. Um, and, uh, and they tend to be, you know, the, the only real structure is that if you're a bully, you, you, you do this. And if you're not a bully, you do that. But you know, there's no real kind of the art of developing relationships is not taught in the classroom, and yet it's the the thing for it's what makes them survive in the business world. You know, if you can't develop a good relationship, you're going to fail time after time. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, um, I I have these seven games that I have pre-selected, and I'm going to give I'm going to we're going to play all seven of them. So they can experience the different kinds of social relationships that uh, games embody. I figured that would be enough for them. I mean, they wouldn't really understand the deeper part of how to facilitate a game. uh, But they would at least understand that games are something that you can take seriously, that they do mean something. Mm -hmm. And that if if you think about it a little bit, you can create opportunities for kids to explore different dimensions of social relationships like leadership and following and rule changing and structuring and all those kinds of things, making agreements and changing agreements. So I started out naturally with Duck, Duck, Goose since it was the first game that I ever played with the kids and it sort of became my my archetype. And um, so five minutes afterwards we're playing Duck, Duck, Goose and I realized, boy, we better get on to the next game because it's I have six more games to play so I say, okay, well, that was Duck, Duck, Goose. Now I want to talk to you about... And one of the teachers says, wait a minute. Wait, Mr. DeCoven." They call me Mr. DeCoven, which I appreciated. I said, yeah. I say, Mr. DeCoven, wait a minute. Um, I didn't get my turn. Oh, I didn't get my turn. I said, but that's okay. This is just for illustration. No, it's not. I They got to be a, a, a fox. I didn't get to be a fox. I want to be the fox. I want to play. So... So I said, all right. And for the next, for that whole 45 minute period, we only got through one game and we never finished it. <laughs> duck, duck, goose. So that was my first. See, now that was, that was a pivotal, yeah. we call these yeah. pivotal moments in the trade. That was one of my first pivotal moments because I realized that for adults, this is what I realized adults are different than kids. Adults. Adults need permission to play. Adults need the opportunity. They need an environment which is conducive to play. They need because because they live in a world which which they have turned into something very odious into something extremely unplayful. It stinks a little bit because it's extremely unplayful. And uh, I mean and, and, and the whole thing about looking serious is like the cardinal principle. Of the of, of 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 adult interaction, you know you you it it you're in the you're in your office and you're laughing and if the boss comes in you know like you just shut up as fast as possible because why are you laughing if you're working if you look like you're having fun not only does the boss disapprove but a lot of the other coworkers disapprove because they don't want to look like they're having fun because they're afraid that they won't be th- thought of as serious enough. And so they have to look more serious than you are. And so they want to oppress you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is really... So, so I, I, I realized that I had to create that kids don't need permission to have fun. They don't need permission to play. They just need the opportunity. And, and it's the adults who are taking that opportunity away from them. Us, we're taking it away. We prohibit it. We try to modify it into ways that don't satisfy the kids. We try to make them wear uniforms so they look like cute little baseball players, even though they're playing football and it's underwater. Anyhow, go ahead.
0: When we were growing up, we played outside until it got dark. We Maybe yeah. we were in the city or the country or whatever. We all played we played we played games we made things out of a I had a brook behind my house and I'd make little mud forts and do oh, patching yeah. and yeah. we'd make up all kinds of games with sometimes we use dolls but sometimes we'd use just our hands and what was ever around we played with and yep. we used to have recess at school we used to have time to play by ourselves
1: yeah, that's so it's true. so
0: sad it really is
1: so. So what I did because I had to do something about it, I had to reverse this whole thing. I, because champion of play and silliness, <laughs> so, so I, so I bought a farm in Pennsylvania, and mm-hmm. it had, it had was twenty five acres eventually, and I called it the Games Preserve, because <laughs> it's not. Even though, and ever since I called it that, people would come over and say, can I hunt here? Is it all right if I hunt here? <laughs> no, it's not those kind of games. It's games. So, uh, yeah. So uh, I called it the Game Preserve, and uh, um, I had a big barn there, and slowly I was able to build up uh, a beautiful environment for people. I had, we, I must have had over a thousand board games and table games and puzzles and I was also. I started reviewing games for Games Magazine, so I could get more games that way. And uh, and the UPS truck used to come by every day. We got to know him by name, and we would play with him and, <laughs> and out in the. And I would and I would do these workshops in this beautiful environment. And very often, even though the I mean we had ping pong and pinball and air hockey and and billiards, we had the flattest. Billiard table with the thickest f- slate underneath it in probably the entire, within ten miles of the Skokil River. I'm telling you, it was just anyhow, uh, and it was a great. It was it. I, we didn't make money a lot of times, but but we accomplished what I really needed to be accomplished because we were, we managed to give adults permission to play, and in fact, the best the best events of them all were the ones outside the barn. Not not with with, surrounded by games, but surrounded by nature. And and because there people had to make up their own and had to create the play contract with each other. And there they could run amok as much as they needed to. And we had we had these we had a parachute and we used that for a tent or for a giant picnic table. And we would we would I I mean, it's all these beautiful spontaneous games would start just arising from the freedom that we had. That we finally found is that the, the, the barn served as a kind of uh, uh, in, instantiation, <laughs> That's the second time, <laughs> Woo! Uh, of the permission of the permission to play. It. I mean, it, the barn said, "Oh, look, you know, the dogs come in. We have the permission. It's here. It's." this guy's invented so much money invested so much money in it and then look it's all we're obviously allowed to but going out of the barn and being free from the the the, anything other than the beauty of being in this environment and each other and people would start playing and and actually what was happening to get back to your first question if i may Mm -hmm. is that they were becoming playful or let's say they were allowing themselves to be playful now when you play a game it's not necessarily you don't have to be playful to play the game it's like it's like being a violin player you know you 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 it's not necessarily conducive to being playful if you're playing a violin i mean it's you're you're creating beauty um and and in fact the idea is to try to follow as closely as possible to the, to the script, to the score of the music, uh, but, but to get deep enough into it so you can just slightly modify it to represent uh, your deeper insight into what the music is really all about and, and, and to connect your emotion and your reasoning it. But that's, not necess- that's play but not playfulness. If you were playing the violin and it was like improv playing, it was jazz that you were playing, then it's a different thing. That becomes playful. So there's the there's the that's the unique thing about playfulness, is that it really is, it's not an act as much as it is an attitude. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a way of being. Um, I like to I like to. Uh, lately, I've been saying that playfulness is the opposite of rigidity. I don't know if that really helps, but but for me, it like because when I think of. When I think of a playful person, I think of a person who's who's kind of loose, you know, who like like a good improv person, right, who'll just move from one thing to another, who's not going to get frozen in a particular role, who's always there in a responsive position, you know, always responding to whatever somebody is doing or saying.
0: Right, instead and of reacting.
1: Instead of reacting.
0: And they start their days like this.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yes, we have places for those people too. But <laughs> anyhow, what I'm saying is that that's what play. That's the difference.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And 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 I find that I mean a lot of people when we talk about playfulness, when I talk about playfulness, they think I'm talking about mindfulness, mm-hmm. because it's very much like that. You it know, is, it's yeah. it's having having a certain presence of mind, but. But mindfulness is always is always related to very serious stuff. When you think about mindfulness, it sounds more like you're very focused, you're very you're attuned to the universe and you're paying attention to the way the wind is flowing over your hair and how this particular follicle is going this way and that you're so in tune when you can and the the butterfly's wings float over you when you feel the wind. but that's that's but it's not like that's not like playfulness. Playfulness is like is a way of interacting physically, emotionally uh, uh with the world and with other people, uh anything in the world. it's It's an interactive physical embodiment of of play. I mean it, it, it's rude as play, but the action is one where you're not where it's one of responsiveness. Responsiveness, Mm -hmm. I guess.
0: Well, like Ram Dass said, being here now, I'm totally here now when I'm in play. I'm not thinking about something else or whatever.
1: But what do you think? Yes. But also. You don't have to
0: agree with me. I can be wrong.
1: uh, uh, (laughs) Yes. That's part of our freedom. It's kind of fun to be wrong from time to time. (laughs) Go ahead, be wrong if you want. All right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's one, yes, it's engaging in the world, but it's also, yeah, I mean, it's, see, the followers of Ram Dass are also people who take it very seriously, Mm -hmm. and when you think, when when they, most of them, when they try, they want to meditate, and they want to be in this kind of very divine connection with the world and maybe drop acid at the same time while they're smoking pot and dancing and being naked. And that's horrible. all
0: what <laughs> it's horrible uh, stuff I've never done it myself. Bernie.
1: No, me oh, neither. No. I mean, I'm only talking about what I heard about these <laughs> yeah. but 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 I would say that playfulness is more engaging in more engaging in in, in 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 being a participant in making the world not just experiencing the world. Ooh, that's good. That's like good. That. Yeah, like you can that. keep. Why don't you keep that? Use like that somewhere. That.
0: You know, you've used some terms like a contract to play, permission to play, and the the word willingness comes up a lot in your work that I've seen, and being willing.
1: Yeah. Yes yeah, so what?
0: <laughs> what so what and now what? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, what, what about the contract to play? Can you address that just a little bit more? What does that mean?
1: Well it's if, if I want to play with you or let's say we want to play with each other is even better. And, um, uh, we have, we set up a kind of an agreement that we're not going to take each other seriously. Uh, unless, unless serious needs come across, unless, and and if that happens, then we'll break the play contract for that time. So if you have to go to the bathroom, then, then we have to stop playing so you can attend to your needs. Mm -hmm. It's just as simple as that. Um, so, so while we're playing, it's possible for somebody to break the the contract, the agreement that we're going to be playing, and do something that's out of out of the sphere of play. take something take something seriously that you meant playfully. That's one example. Okay. Uh, uh, get upset because they're not winning. Uh, that's another mm-hmm. example and and because the, if the contract is to play and have fun together then the goal is not to win. The goal is to play and have fun together. And that's what that's what, how we understand our relationship and our purpose. And if somebody takes winning, gets very angry because he's not winning, well, then that person is breaking the contract because that wasn't what we agreed to. We agreed to play to have fun. So unfortunately, for most most children past the age of 10 and for the rest of our lives after that, we take the play contract too we only have that serious play contract and it's too serious it becomes a binding one and it becomes one in which the only way we have to measure how much fun we're having is whether we're winning or not and and that's that's devastation that's that's a psychic death
0: mm-hmm.
1: because instead of being able to 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 embrace our freedom together it we become locked in this thing where I, I talk about instead of Instead of we being the people who determine whether the game is good enough to play, the game becomes the thing that determines whether we're good enough to play. This is very profound.
0: It is so Zen-like. I'm telling you, my mind I'm, is just oh. a million miles. But I, you know, I had an example of this the other day. I was uh, in a pool when there were some little boys there, and I said, "Let's see who can hold their breath longer in the water," and I did. And I, and I did. And I said, I won. And I thought, wait a minute. I won. So what? <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I beat this poor little kid with no lungs. Yeah. Ah, what's that about?
1: So, so I practiced that a lot when I was involved in games because it was, you know, the, the, and, and I learned that you could, it's, to maintain the play contract, um, that, then the, the rules are, you have to realize that the game is not as important as the people who are playing. So that means that you that rather than trying to win if the if you if the game gets in your way, you should change the rules. Mm-hmm. and in in my book, the Well Played game, there's at least one chapter, if not two, devoted to the art of cheating. yeah because because there's a certain kind of cheating that you have to do in order to keep the contract uh, uh, pure uh, the way uh, in order to keep the intention to play. One that that is 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 followed, as opposed to one that becomes denied to the players because they decide that the game becomes more important.
0: Right. Well, mentioning the well played game, which was published initially in, in what 1978. Yes. And has been republished.
1: By MIT, MIT?
0: Press. <laughs> MIT Press. It's an incredible book. It's wonderful. Oh. Oh, and you. and and now there's another book. That's you're giving away called a playful path. Look at you. You're yes. giving it
1: away. I'm giving it away. <sighs> What's the matter with, me? you know, you know what I, all right. This is a little depressing. I wrote a post. I wrote a post. It's a little depressing. I'm going to get depressed before I even talk about it because it's, maybe it's very depressing.
0: I think I know the post of which you speak. Go ahead.
1: I wrote a post. I said, I have cancer, but it's not going to stop me. And I'm gonna make. I'm gonna be having fun, and it's wonderful. And 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 you shouldn't feel sorry for me. Be cancer, schmancer, I don't care. And I'm gonna go out playing. That's what my post was, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, on that day, I got four hundred thousand downloads of a playful path. Four hundred thousand. I went, just when I just. It wasn't. I went viral, just as the time my body was getting viral. So did my. Uh, the, it's funny. With the virus, it's polio. It's not a virus, but anyhow, I like to say it. But 400,000 people downloaded The Playful Path. Oh, if I had only asked for a dollar. Just I, a dollar. I
0: know. <laughs> you need a better manager. I'm available. Come on. No. let me tell you. It's a beautiful, beautiful book, and uh, it's so, so generous of you to give this book and I'm going to urge everybody, I'm going to put links up to all of your beautiful work, but you know, uh, and yesterday was an incredible day in Indianapolis. There was a groundbreaking ceremony, wasn't there? Yes, yes, there was.
1: You want me to talk about it? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) You're so devious. (laughs) I don't know how you do these things to me. (laughs) All right. So, um, so there I am dying, you know, and I'm thinking about dying and, and, I'm thinking about I want to leave a, a a memorial so that my my fam for my family and my community, so if they want to think about me and maybe pretend they're talking to me, there would be something that was like a physical have I said instantiation yet
0: only twice say it again oh
1: physical instantiation <laughs> of my spiritual being so so. At first, I think I'm going to make something. I'm going to invent a new playground device, and then I start looking into playground devices and realize that I'm not going to live long enough to see through the invention of one of those things because, you know, there's so many safety concerns and durability concerns, and so I start looking around in in um, um, books, in you know, like recreation equipment books to try to find out what people are selling and what there's available. And I go online and I start searching for the, and I discovered this thing that's called the expression swing. And I fell in love with it. And what it is, is a swing. It's actually two swings. It's a combination of a baby swing and an adult swing. So, so imagine the baby swing is like that, like a little bucket, right? Mm -hmm. You know how those baby swings are? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine a baby swing? I can't. I I, I
0: actually have seen pictures of the expression swing, but I'm visualizing with you. Yeah.
1: And and here is the adult swing, which is like, and they're attached. So when you go, you're swinging together. You get that thing? Yeah. It's not a perfect. Beautiful. So that's the whole. So what happens is, is that the parent is is first of all instead of being behind the kid and pushing him on the swing, the parent is is in front of the kid, and can watch the expressions on the kid's face, and the kids can watch the parent's face. Mm -hmm. And, and, and there's this, this beautiful kind of resonance of joy. You know, I can look at your face and feel the joy and you can look at my face and that makes me feel more joyful. And then you start laughing and I start laughing and the whole, I said, oh, this is my, this is, this is what I'm about. You know, it's that sharing of play, that sharing of joy, shared delight is really the kind of my favorite kind of that's what I'm into that's what I teach that's what a good game does for people that moment of shared laughter is oh transporting Is I think it's like a, such a spiritual experience anyhow I find I, I I call up the company and that makes this thing called the expression swing I find and I tell them I'm interested I think I want to would like to have it in my park and they said I'm so excited you're interested. I'm so they did this on the telephone so I couldn't really see, but I'm imagining they I'm so excited because we love the expression swing and we think it's wonderful and we're not getting enough attention to it and the fact that that you, Mr. De such a play person who knows things, would like it. I, we would love we would we would love that if you did that. Not only would we love it, we would love it so much that we would donate the swings And how many swings do you want? You want one or two? I said, Gotta have two. So, absolutely. We'll give you a pair of swings and we'll donate it. Well, little did I know that donating the swings does not mean donating the putting the swings in. So, (laughs) the putting the swings in costs about three times as much as the swings do. Three times as much as the swings do. Wow. However, so my daughter, my that's why we live in Indianapolis now because I wanted to be close to my daughter mm-hmm. Shale. She says she she's there's a I don't know how she does it, but there's a a birthday gift fund. What I want for my birthday it, and there's a some organization that makes a fund. I want this for my birthday. please contribute to this so I can get this for my birthday. So she asked them to contribute to the swing project and she gets she gets a couple of thousand dollars just. Because people, they love her. They don't know me from Adam, but they know her. And she is so wonderful and so playful. And so, and they want it. And so, and it's for her birthday, she says. Me, for my birthday, I wanted a new iPad. But for her- <laughs> so anyhow. Uh, and so we just had the, the ribbon-cutting ceremony yesterday. And it was beautiful. Oh, man. Things started happening that I had no anticipation would happen. We had. Kids came over. Oh, and kids started. We had kids on on the adult side and the baby side. Everybody wanted to swing on both sides at the same time, and we had. And we at one time there was this one, like a five-year-old kid who started pushing everybody, you know, so they could go too. And and, and there was like a baby who was trying, like a four-year-old kid trying to be on the adult swing, and there was this big. <laughs> fat kid I think he was maybe seven who could barely fit into the (laughs) so that was just it was beautiful
0: it was, and it was all spontaneous play and joyful. I'm so glad you had a great day with that yesterday. Yeah, me too. That is wonderful. And I'm going to post some pictures too, along with this interview. I'm going to post a whole bunch of stuff like the games oh. preserve. I've had pictures of the uh-huh. games preserve. Oh, do cool you
1: things. really? That's great. Yeah.
0: And I don't know how long we've been talking because I can go forever. I'm having so I much know. I, fun it's, here.
1: It's, I, I'm i afraid it's going over the 45 minute thing. That's but...
0: okay. Cause we can break it in half or whatever. Cause I'm having so much fun, but I, I tell you something that blew my mind. Uh, about you is that around 1981, you needed some uh, money. Money,
1: money. <laughs> and yeah, what did had, you do? <laughs> well, we had a, so at that time I decided, uh, yeah. So I, of all the games that we got from commercial companies, there was, uh, uh, I, there were starting to come in these electronic games, computer games. And Atari sent me for review uh, the one of the game machines that they had. That had it was I think it was uh, the game of tank, and and it wasn't just one game. It was like fifty different variations of the game, and and I was so excited because I realized that hey, if if there this is just about what I've been teaching. It's close to what I've been teaching because. It's it's not saying, can I beat you at the tank? Because if I say, I can win this game, then you can say, well, which variation can you win? Have you tried 14? I bet you I can beat you at 14. Yeah, but I can beat you at 26. So so it's, it becomes like a negotiation. It becomes a different kind of experience. That it's like the game. It's like just like I talk about it, because more like a play community than a game community. Mm-hmm. Because we're playing the same game, but we have to decide which version we want to play. So I decide that I'm going to be designing computer games. And I go to, lo and behold, I wind up designing computer games. And it was like magic. I happened to know the guy who was the president of one of the, anyhow, but he hired me and, and, and I was successful. It was a great time to be designing. It was like the app time designing apps is Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. because there was little, the technology I had 4k of uh, 4k to work in to design my 4k to design my games uh, in 1981. That was wow. big talk. Wow. And yet <laughs> and yet, 4K was enough to create universes, you know, uh, because, it, you know, it was more abstract like Minecraft is now. Mm-hmm. It was more abstract then, and you could do any. So I had, I had a really good time and designed a lot of games. But then the technology advanced, and it, it got me depressed because um, um, uh, it got very they started getting into a lot of graphics. They got more, more uh, space, more, you know, mm-hmm. bigger computers, and they got into a lot of graphics. And the result was that the process had to be more realistic. And so they put all their, they started putting all their time and money and talent into the, the, the graphics of the computer, of the game, and very little into the design of the game. Mm-hmm. So they would, they would be producing one game after another game, after another game, all pretty much the same but just with different graphics in it. So I I had to get out of that and find something else. What
0: would you find?
1: Uh Well, oh, well, no, you know what I'm finding? I'm finding it's too late now. I got to go already.
0: Oh, okay. Well, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll do this again, don't won't we?
1: Maybe. It depends. It all depends if if what I see am I gonna see the video first before you
0: I can do that. Would you like me to do that?
1: If I like it enough, maybe we'll do another.
0: Okay. Well this better be darn good. Jesus, it's up to you, man. Not yeah. my responsibility. Yeah. Jesus,
1: you better put together a beautiful thing here. Don't feel on the spot.
0: I wanna I wanna tell you something, and I mean this with all my heart, even though we just met. I love you. Uh, and I thank you for everything you've done to help. Me and other people learn about why it's so important to play and to be playful in our lives. You're a wonderful example. And if you don't give me another interview after I said those nice things, there's something wrong with you,
1: Bernie. <laughs> All right, I'll give you an interview.
0: Okay, I'll you. I'm not to... telling you,
1: I'm not saying how long yet. Okay. It might be just 10 minutes, you know.
0: That's fine. I, hey, okay. thank you, okay. thank you. I love you. Have a wonderful, blessed day.
1: You too, Margaret. A pleasure meeting you. You
0: too. Bye.